0: I'm Chad Boekelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is The Lantern Cast.
1: Episode 358.
0: Yeah, what are we calling this one? Uh, we called the other one Supernatural first. What's, what's this one?
1: Uh, Magnus slash Magneto first.
0: <laughs> Mag first. Mag first. Uh, so, uh, a while back, uh, do you remember when it was, Mark? Um, offhand or no?
1: Not offhand, but I'll find it while you're talking.
0: <laughs> so, uh, a while back, we did uh, what I was looking forward to at the time, something I wanted to try out called, uh, you know, our, our our kind of first forays into the world of comics. You know, the the issues that uh, Mark or myself both read that uh, really got us into the game.
1: 318. A lot of people, so, there you go. So, 40, 40, uh, 40 episodes ago. <laughs>
0: Uh, at the time, we did some Werewolf by Night, and we did uh, Marvel Chillers uh, one and two, which is the first appearance of Madrid the Mystic. Uh, Werewolf by Night for uh, Mark, and Marvel Chillers for me for Madrid. Well, we wanted to keep doing that because um, we've kind of gone off topic uh, lately because of uh, you know all this, all the movies and stuff that's been happening, um, and because there's not a whole lot of Green Lantern stuff, but. It's very easy to catch up on the Greenlander and stuff, oh, so yes. we wanted to, we wanted now that we're caught up, we wanted to do something else that we were excited for, um, but not veer back into the movies and the TV shows, because, you know, with Endgame coming up, it'll be soon enough we do that. So we wanted to revisit this idea, and in this case, we're going to do two more of our famous firsts, essentially, and that's going to be, Mark, what are your issues
1: I am going to do the defend, ugh, the Defenders 15 and 16. And I will be
0: doing a two-issue crossover I talk about quite frequently. Magnus the Robot Fighter and Nexus, the the two-issue crossover that uh, Dark Horse and Valiant did. So uh, I believe we're starting with mine first, right?
1: Yes, let me crack open your first issue since – there we go.
0: Okay, and I'm recapping mine, you're recapping yours, right? Correct. Which is which is different than what we did before, Correct. I believe. Um, so here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to recap issue one and issue two, then we'll talk about both of them. One thing of note uh, for mine is if my issue one recap sounds less um, uh, comprehensive than my issue two, it is because as a kid – um, uh, and, and I guess we, we can do this before we go into recapping the issues. It's kind of our history with them. As a kid, I always talk about how I had a group of comics. And Magnus the Robot Fighter and Nexus issue two was one of the comics that I had and reread and reread over and over and over again. It wasn't until very uh, a long time later that I actually ever read issue one. I have reread the crap out of Issue 2, but I've only, re- I've only read Issue 1 maybe a handful of times. So I'm not as intimately familiar with it, but it's okay. So we're going to open up with the story, and it is called The Gift Horse. The writer is Mike Barron. Steve Rood is the co-plotter and penciler. Gary Martin is the inker, and Paul Otillo uh, is the colorist. We open up with Magnus and Ligia his girlfriend, out on the lawn having a picnic talking about how great the day is, but also kind of, you know, reminiscing about the state of the world, the fact that robots are everywhere, they're a part of modern-day society, and, uh, you know, people need to start changing their ideas on that. When suddenly a ship appears out of nowhere in the sky, a massive freighter which projects an image of this man named Archon. And he says, people of Northam, greetings. I am Archon. I have come from the future to assist in banishing the last strains of disease from the human race. In the future, we have eliminated all pathologies. This gift is yours so that future generations may benefit. And then Archon comes down from the ship to introduce himself to Magnus and Lisia so that he can be then summarily introduced to the authorities where Archon then goes to the council, pitches his idea, "Hey, grant me access to the lower levels of your society and some uh, some uh, clinics and some robots, so that I may go forth and and cure the disease of your of your uh, of your uh, society." So they do so; they give him that permission. Uh, Magnus and Ligia take him down uh, there, and you know you start to get the feeling something might be a little off about Archon. He says, "Why do you call these people citizens? If they don't contribute, do they not forfeit their claim to services, to the very privilege of life?" And um, you know we have learned much in the 45th century. Not all humans are created equal. That's when they get attacked by some of the people who live down there. Um, they release, release this kind of ancient battle robot, uh, that Magnus summarily dispatches and takes apart with his Kung Fu fighting styles. Archon is nowhere to be, uh, found. He, uh, kind of hangs back and watches this all happen. Um, Magnus kind of gets blown off into the ditch where he comes across this older woman, uh, who says, beware the gift horse. Beware the gift horse. He passes old tricks for new. Gifts do not come cheap. Uh, Remember Hellasia. And uh, when he comes back up, he sees that Archon is supposedly uh, healing one of the uh, individuals who attacked them earlier. And he says... uh, Excuse me, Archon, I am not a politician and should not have spoken out of turn because he's – I guess you see you're eager to begin your work, Archon. Soon enough, Archon has his clinics open uh, and is supposedly healing uh, a bunch of people and sending them forth. But later, with the help of some industrial robots, uh, he's supposedly supervising the cleanup of the lower industrial waste in the low levels um, – And uh, while they're cleaning up, they've uncovered a cache of 26th century battle robots. Archon says, carefully remove them and store them in my ship. And the robot says, but the law requires their destruction. I'm overriding the law with special executive order, blah, blah, blah. And then soon portions of the lower depths have been uh, transformed into garden spots. Uh, As word of Archon's clinic spreads, even... The most alienated uh, emerged to be cured for in the lower depths pathologies rage that could not stand the light of day. Meanwhile, Magnus is trying to read up on Halacia that the old woman had uh, uh, spoken to him about, and and Legia is kind of teasing him about it. He says, "Uh, I have it. These journals kept by a scientist on Callisto in 2426, they mentioned a mining colony called Halatia. Several hundred men, women, and children died. They apparently left their shelters without protection as if they'd been driven out. Um, so they try to go back down to the lower levels to talk to the older woman again to get some more, uh, some more, some more clues, some more idea of what's happening. Uh, they were this, at this point, we start referring to her as Poppy. Uh, Magnus gets attacked by two uh, medical-looking droids that have been retrofitted. He swiftly takes them out. He re- realizes they're from Archon's clinic because he approved the transfer of, those, of the surplus models. Uh, Poppy says, I warned you of the Trojan horse. And he says, I learned about Halatia, but I need to know about more. He's the reverse of what he says. He comes from opposite of where he claims we must go to the surface to meet him. He who chases him who flees. So they go up to the, the, the surface and they say – she says – Poppy says he is coming? Who is coming? the Liberator, the Avenger, and there's a crack in the sky as a ship appears, and a man stands astride it. All of a sudden, with the appearance of the ship, the Northam's uh, defense system leaps into action, shoots some ships up to start firing at the strange ship in the sky, which is odd, because they were not provoked. The ship just appeared. It didn't attack anybody, so um, Magnus figures out someone's overridden the defense system. So... Uh, they fly up there uh, and Mag- Magnus and Leisure fly up there in their little car, their flying car Say, so come with us. The attacks will stop. And this is Magnus. I'm Leisure. I am Nexus. Uh, I came through a series of black holes in pursuit of a man named Harley Archcon. Do you know him? We know him as Archon. They explain everything that's going on. They explain that that's his ship. Uh, and it seems to be growing and vibrating and out of the ship comes a massive mech it says greetings little men first i shall destroy this pretty city then i shall return to my time and return and turn the web to ash and it's to be continued in nexus and magnus number 2 which is the issue i always read and reread there's a lot of exposition in this story. Throughout number two, you're going to be told a lot of the events that happened in number one, which is why you're going to be uh, very very clear very soon how I was able to read number two without ever having to co- have to come across number one. As they, as uh, n- the newly revealed Nexus, Magnus and Legia stare up at the... Uh, big mech Archon it is, as it is trampling through the city of North Am. Nexus flies up to fight off uh, with a blast of bolt energy from his uh, from his wrist um, to which Archon sends out a bunch of various droids from his massive mech mech's chest. Uh, Magnus says he needs to help Nexus so he goes down and gets some uh, robot smashing prothesis, takes off to go help Magnus, or Nexus in the skies. Um, Meanwhile, Ligia grabs a handful of senators and visitors and and everybody that's in there, uh, gets armed up so that they can take on this this new battle, uh, this new uh, army of robots that uh, Archon has has, uh, unleashed. Um, Ligia takes out a gun that destroys one of them and then... They go to the Hall of Presidents to find other weapons, such as busts of presidents to <laughs> shove down onto the, the waiting robots.
1: That's going to be ne- effective.
0: <laughs> Nexus uh, is flying towards Archon. His blasts have proved ineffective. He has to channel one massive blast into the mech, so what he does is he draws on the power. He, Nexus sucks all the energy from the mammoth North End power grid, plunging 8 billion people into darkness. He channels that power through himself into a bolt. It not only shuts down uh, Archon's uh, system, it shuts down the robots that he sent out. It also – many uh, injuries occur in the grav tubes. Operating rooms go black, uh, imperiling the few citizens undergoing surgery. Uh, curiously, no operations are scheduled at Archon's clinic. Satellites fall from orbit. Millions of people are trapped in various forms of transportation, thrown upward ten clicks by the shock. Nexus Two begins to fall. Magnus and Legion notice he's following, uh, following from the the the, the skies. They go grab a tapestry in the Senator's Lounge. They unroll it under, underneath the, where Nexus is falling. <laughs> and where'd the Senate get this tapestry? Some fat cat lobby group. Hold it tight. And <laughs> It's got the Grateful Dead uh, logo on it. They catch Nexus. He comes up. He says, how long before power is restored? Could be hours. He says, Archon is an engineer. I'm afraid he'll restore his power before North Am itself can get back online. I need to confront him personally, but my dreams are incomplete. I need to know more about him. Uh, Legion says, "Poppy, they go back down to visit him, uh, or visit Poppy, and she says, 'I'm Great Liberator. Liberator, I know who you are. I've seen you in my dreams. Um, will you share your dreams with me?'" Nexus says, and he touches her forehead. She says, "He says this woman is an uh, EMP tell, so an empath slash telepath of enormous power. No wonder she lives as far as possible from civilization." So in the mining colony of Halatia in uh, 2596, Archon is leading this uh, colony, and he has there's – there's a web inspection ship headed, the way, headed their way. Um, they, evidently, they paid off some people to get rid of the inspection, but it didn't work uh, because the person they paid off has been arrested and, and gave them up um he says, uh, if they find no miners here we won't be in violation, how much time uh, he sends all their miners into the ice caves um, but then the web's inspection ship upon finding no living signs of individuals destroys the mining colony um, Archon put had outfitted himself by wearing a force personal force field that prevented his detection and also kind of saved him from some of the ice. He remained in the caves for eons, developing his mental powers and hatching his insane revenge. I will travel to the future, recruit the miners I need and the technology to control them, and I shall return with my slaves and rule the web. He builds this ship. He says he sees a uh, report that Nexus is seeking Archon, so he came back here. So Archon is not a liberator or a a cure-all scientist from the future. He's instead a kind of scumbag slash... A jerk jerk from the past. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, yes. So, uh, he... He came here through a series of black holes, just as as Nexus did. How have we never heard of this method of time travel, says Magnus. My friend, I surmise this is uh, one of uh, an infinite number of possible futures, alternate realities, if you will. Until Arkhan's arrival, time travel had no place in your reality, yet there must be a connection. How else could you learn of Halacia? The gift horse becomes a mad dog who enters his master's house, says Poppy. Elysia somehow ascertains this means that Archon is destroying Northam. Uh, they come up, and uh, indeed he is. He's back on his feet. His big Mac is back on his feet. Um, the hobbyists have busted out their old warplanes <laughs> and are going at Archon with everything they've got. Uh, Nexus um, says, in the past he may have feared me. Uh, here my powers are less than his. I have lost my host, um, which I'll explain <laughs> later. Um, if you could get close to him, yes, I could invade his ship, lay hands on him. So while Archon is kind of reveling in his destruction of the city, Nexus pops up and his face be murderer uh, He faces down Archon face-to-face. Archon's mech grabs him, and while his mech is, you know, boasting, you know, you have no power here, only what you can siphon from dead sockets, how you hounded me, you're all mine. And then you can hear face me murder. And from within the mech, we see Nexus. He says, no, how? He rushes at Nexus, a uh, dagger slash needle of some kind, digs into his side as Nexus puts him in a headlock. Uh, this knocks him either dead or unconscious. Kind of hard to to tell. Uh, later on, you figure out it's unconscious. The controlling uh, entity of the Mech is now done, gone, so the hologram of Archon's head on the mech pops away as the city burns. Everything is restored. He's, and then we see that uh, Magnus is actually wearing a Nexus costume, and it, there was two Nexuses. Nexi? Whatever. <laughs> he says, I wonder if he'd been what he said. If he had truly come to cure our illnesses, would we have been better off? He said he, And Nexus says he cured no one. He used his powers to convince people they were cured. He gave them drugs to mask their pain while planting a hypnotic command to report to his slave ship. Absent his rampage, there would be there are many who would have wished him success, who would would gladly have given him the goths, the sick, the lame, the mentally ill who resist all our efforts to help. He, Nexus says that's a human condition. Robots don't encourage self-reliance. Next day, there's a big party, and uh, Nexus says he's going to head on off. Um, and he says, um, uh, he, Leisure and Magnus say, we'll find you in our past, Horatio. And when we do, Nexus says, you'll have found the nexus between my world and yours. And as they, uh, you know, watch him fly off into the stars, Nick, Magnus says, a great man, but we can't rely on strangers from the past to save us. And Leisure says, yes, but how often does someone like Archon come along? And Magnus replies, too often it's part of the human condition. And end.
1: What do you think? Interesting, Chad. Interesting. <laughs> How so? I like the the Nexus stuff again because all this is like in a vacuum to me. Uh, b- both characters for the most part, but Nexus seems inherently more interesting. I think than the 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 Magnus world. Magnus is alright as a character, but I. I I don't know if I like that the world. I I also I I do know that I hate all the abbreviations. That drives me up the oh, wall. North North and all these all these different things. The robots Robs and for Rob. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. I mean, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of that in these issues. You know, there's a whole lot of. I'm assuming North Am is short for North America. Uh
0: yes. Uh it's it's also it's also just become a, a wide kind of network of the, of the city yes
1: yeah so they have the Robs for the robots and and what, what are the goths supposed to be
0: just uh, I don't know if it's necessarily abbreviation but more of just slang to refer to the kind of downtrodden in okay. society I,
1: I, I figured yeah that I figured what it what it meant in, in the context of the story I just didn't know following the pattern if there was if it was an abbreviation for something and but so the story, the story is interesting. I mean, I uh, I like the fact that Archon basically looked like a, a hippie version of the Monitor. <laughs> Before the Monitor really got some fancy duds, he, he was Archon. Uh, and anytime you kind of do the any kind of variation on the Trojan horse, you know, beware of beware of hippie monitors bearing gifts story. So that was that that was kind of cool. I I but again, to me, Nexus was more. Yeah, Nexus has a little Eradicator in him. I kind of like, kind of like that.
0: Well, for those of you who don't, who aren't aware, and by the way, my attachment is also more to Nexus. Uh, I don't, I, I have not read a bunch, or if, if not, and maybe more than an issue or two of original Magnus stuff. I do actually have some Magnus on my uh, shelf here, but the, that I got recently at one of the s- sales I was talking about where. Uh, the comic store was closing and things were like a dollar a trade and stuff like that. But I haven't yet cracked those open. But my experiences with Nexus, I love Nexus, and it all began here specifically with issue number two. Uh, Nexus is Horatio Hellpop, um, and Horatio is given these uh, he, on, on this planet that he's on. Uh, he has these uh, dreams of various. Evildoers throughout the universe, usually usually people in power who are behind the scenes abusing said power in horrific ways. Um, uh, you know uh, things you probably <laughs> probably don't want to talk about. <laughs> um, and he's been he's given these these dreams, uh, and that, the, these dreams are what cause him to go then seek them out and destroy these these individuals across the universe. He's not there to. Uh, imprison them or whatever. He is the the liberator, the, the guy sent out to remove these people from the equation. He's given this power by an ancient being called the Merc, um, who dwells in the center of this planet. And the Merc is, depending on your reading of the series, it can be like this, you know, ancient guardian, you know, sort of being, where you know his his power and his knowledge and his perspective on things is maybe beyond you. And the little further on you get in the series, the Merc will throw on like a big Hawaiian T-shirt and some some board shorts and just go on some sort of rant and uh, crazy vacation and say, screw it all. Um, <laughs> so, dep- again, just depends on who's writing the stories at the time. Uh, I prefer the, the former. Uh, and Horatio draws his power from from energy, from the sun for the most part. He draws his power from the sun, internalizes it, and, and then channels it through those those sort of blasts. Um, so that's that's who he is, and that's when he says he's sort of lost his connection to his host. He's come through a series of black holes into what we are described later on as a kind of an alternate reality. That's sort of the only way we can make the connection between Nexus and Magnus and that they exist in the same universe is because supposedly from nexus's or from magnus's storylines there are what this is saying a bunch of potential offshoots that the future of magnus's world could go one of which would be the world in which nexus inhabits when we go uh, when we go into the future and there's lots of there's lots of similarities between the two which is why they seem like a sort of natural pairing up
1: that makes sense i see that
0: Um, this, this, uh, part of the reason I wanted to do this is because I finally got to interview Steve Rude and this is not like a big plug for creative credit. Um, but you Uh, know, it's not not. (laughs) creative credit issue number or, or episode one came out Steve Rude, um, and, uh, go listen to that if you haven't already. But, uh, part of the reason I got kind of a renewed passion for this story arc is because of course, if I'm gonna to talk to Steve Rude one-on-one, I gotta ask him about this particular story since it was one of my gateways. And what Steve told me, and it's I mean it's kind of right there on the page when you go through the credits, is that Steve actually came up with this story. Normally it was Mike Barron doing the pencils and stories and or, or doing 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 the stories and scripting and Steve doing the artwork. But for this particular two-issue story arc, this crossover between Dark Horse and Valiant. This was Steve's story through and through. So if you've ever wondered at all what a Steve Rude dreamt up story would look like, this this is it. Uh, and I I really enjoy it. I don't know a ton about Magnus, but the sort of and it's it's very inherent. Um, the you can tell this by the covers of this Steve's painted covers of this. It's, he's very much throwing back to like the pulp feel of things. And if you read Nexus, uh, Nexus, while sci-fi and came out in like the the 80s and stuff like that, Nexus is very sci-fi, and you could very easily see it being very pulpy. Uh, and Steve said that he really enjoyed Magnus, so this was something he had always wanted to do. So the fact that this exists, and I mean, just look, just look at those covers, man. What do you that 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 screams pulp?
1: That is true. The cover, I did kind of, I, I did like the stuff. I did like the style of the covers. I thought that was I thought that was a, I thought that was a nice touch. Uh,
0: what did you think? I mean because I mean e- even though the whole the whole issue isn't that painted style, what did you think of the interior art because it seems to sort of hold that pattern because not only do you have the same sort of body designs and styles but you know you're you're talking about the future and robots but we're working in the pulp style so the robots all have to look a very certain way to sort of maintain that pulp feel
1: no i agree i i i think based on the kind of story that's being told and the characters that are being used i think the art style works so i i think it does i think it does fit in there it kind of has a silver age vibe off of it too Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I think I think the I think the art for the characters in the world that they inhabit, I think that works. I think that was I think that's a perfect match.
0: Yeah. Um, did you have anything else about this you wanted to, to kind of talk about? Because, I mean, I, I could go on about it forever. And, of course, I pointed people to the creative credit interview with, with Steve. So. There's, you know, there's there's more out there if they want to listen to me, just sort of ramble on and on. But uh, did you have any thoughts like while you were reading it that uh, oh this is corny or this is I mean other than of course the verbiage and the abbreviations
1: and stuff like that. Well then, now you you've said that you that Nexus obviously is more of a draw to you, but, you, but <laughs> you so does that mean you don't like Magnus So you just don't are oh, you pretty neutral on Magnus? But he's just to you for for you he's just a guest star in a Nexus story. Or is it? Or is it more than? Or is it? Or do you have ties? To? It's
0: it's slightly more than that, uh, but not by much. Uh, it's oh. mostly that it's mostly that he's a guest star in a Nexus story, um, but I kind of liked that these two had never met before. Uh, their banter seems to be going very well. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting, too. You, you have this sort of relationship with Magnus and Leisure, but you get the impression that um, Magnus is very cynical and jaded and, and doesn't trust a lot of people and stuff like that. But Nexus shows up, and it's, it's almost like either, A, the story doesn't have time to be, deal with a BS side plot of him not trusting Nexus – or B, it's intentional that he immediately trusts Nexus for some reason, and that could just be Poppy because Poppy knows that he's coming, and then then when his ship arrives, he immediately gets attacked, and so Magnus knows something is off about that. But the sort of relationship that is that that immediately develops between Magnus and Nexus is uh, is really cool, and part of the reason I like it is because. I'm reading this, and you get the black and white sort of recap of Nexus's history here. And then we go into the story, and they're fighting uh, they're fighting Archon. And right as Nexus flies up, and then Archon unleashes, and this is an issue two, unleashes these bots. The very next thing you see is he says, I must help Nexus. He came to help us. I'll use the flying hard harness, and I do know how to bust Rob's. So he flies down and immediately gets some some gauntlets and stuff to go up and help Nexus and fight him in the skies. So I mean, it's, it was it was just it wasn't just like an immediate trust. It was like, oh, he's he's on our side. I need to get up there and help him.
1: Like Rocket and Thor, baby.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was quick. It was it was fun. It was it was fast. There's sort of the mystery in there. And there's they don't give you they don't give you a ton about Nexus right away in here, but they give you enough to where you get curious about it. And like I said, this was one of my first comics period, so this is my introduction to Nexus. So it uh, it gave me just enough to where I mean nowadays you know I, I talk about it a lot, especially when they were coming out uh, originally for sale. The best deal in comics, the Dark Horse uh, Nexus Omnibuy that were color, com, coming out in color for twenty five bucks a piece. I've got all eight volumes on my shelf. Um, I I I really enjoy uh, Nexus. Um, and I mean, one of the uh, the you know, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I told Mark about this, and I think we're far enough removed from the episode because I didn't want it to seem like I was uh, you know getting. Getting big, too big for my britches or anything like that. But uh, after the interview, Steve sent me a nice complimentary email. I'm not, I don't need to read it verbatim or anything like that. Uh, you know, he just said said he he enjoyed himself and he was impressed and he said, you know, what's your address? I want to send you something. And Mark and I were wildly speculating back and forth, mostly me, uh, about what it could be. And what arrived in in the mail was a Mark. Would you say this is like a an original comic page size piece of paper. I think so. I believe so. Yeah. And it's a, it's a two, uh, just kind of bust sketches of Magnus and Nexus. Uh, and it says, thanks for the publicity to Chad from Steve rude, March 1st, uh, 2019. I'll post uh, a picture of it, but, um, he didn't have to do that. And it's clear that, you know, Steve's been doing this forever. It's not like he sends a, a sketch or something to everybody who's ever interviewed him. But uh, it was very clear to him the amount of passion I had for this particular story. So he, it wasn't just like a sketch of Nexus and like Green Lantern. It was specifically two headshots, one of Nexus and one of Magnus side by side um so that's it's it's really cool and it's got my name all over it but even if it didn't i'd never sell it so but i mean it's it's great i didn't know who the grateful dead were as a kid when i first read this my love of classic rock evolved later on and quite honestly i'm not a deadhead i've 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 honestly tried my entire life to get into uh grateful dead at various points and i just i can't i i don't know what it is about their music i just i just it's not like I can't stand them. It's just you know you put them on and just kind of let an album play, and I I can't go very far before I go. Like, yeah, I want to listen to something else. Um, but I recognize the symbol, and I showed my dad it, and I remember him chuckling. Them throwing the little presidential busts off the roof. <laughs> you can see um, was that Nixon in one I, of them? Yeah,
1: Nixon and Reagan. It looked like from what I realized. Yeah.
0: And there's there's Teddy Roosevelt, which is the third one you can sort of see kind of clearly there. So that was kind of cool. And then I remember the idea – just even as a kid, I remember how ridiculous he looked. When Magnus gets the idea that – oh, golly, sort of look he gets on his face. <laughs>
1: oh, yes. Good times.
0: <laughs> and, of course, there's that kind of – that weird robot with that comes out with the uh, – it's the riot robot with a sort of blaster out of his chest. He says uh, – surrender and live resist and die uh all robots are are now my eyes my ears my fists and uh, then that's when Leisure like just hauls this big ass space looking crazy ass uh, ray gun over the ledge it says just Here's one gun that's not under your control that um uh, that panel right before you see her with the with the gun that shoom and the the way the robot is like his arms are spiraling and all that i mean there were there's were so many cool looking moments In the story that just kind of really got me that uh, the the panel, when he says, I must help Nexus and they're flying in their flying car, the way that the cars are designed, you're supposed to lay down when you fly them. So it gives you this really cool thing where he's laying down, piloting the car, Leisha's on her hands and knees, kind of looking over her shoulder at the, the battle that's happening behind him like that. It's just really cool design and perspective on some of this stuff.
1: Yes, the laying down flying car concept. Batman would be happy. He'd be proud. <laughs> At least the <laughs> Nolanverse Batman would be. What a weird concept that was. Let's lay down and shoot the guns. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he got his back broken, people. <laughs> All
0: right. You got anything else about this? I mean, I could go on forever, obviously, but uh, anything else about this one you want to particularly point out? Oh yeah, like again, guys. I told you I'd be super heavy focused on uh, on issue two.
1: I'm just trying to remember what it was. It was some kind of. I think like you were mentioning, it was some kind of a a sound effect or something. There was something that. Uh, but maybe I'm. I'm not going to spend too much time di- trying to find it again. If I, like, but unless I miss it, unless it pops, you know, right right to me or, or so. But uh, the fr- I mean. The first issue was it was you know was intro the, the setup was pretty good so but you but but obvious but some of it was a from a from a plot perspective it was a little hard to believe It was like why would they give this jabroni access to their stuff right off right off the bat uh, I don't care what he's saying people are people are more cynical than that <laughs> uh, and um, there was yeah I'm trying to think there was there were, there was something else just the way he was uh. But the robots I and mean, it was it was it was telegraphed so I mean it was so oh the way the way he was talking about the people. The way he was talk he was talking so down to the people.
0: Oh, the you, you why do you call them citizens if they act like,
1: you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, not all humans yeah. are created equal. that stuff. I mean yeah, yeah. that was such a friggin' red flag. I mean and and I and for anybody anybody who's listening to that, I mean we got we got the people to think we got the people that think that Daenerys is insane on in Game of Thrones for over a whole lot less evidence, with no evidence actually. And 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 this this guy's pretty much telling you that he only has one oar in the water, and it's like, okay, come on down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more that's more of the the fact that they uh, see. I this is one question I didn't get to ask Steve was the conditions of the crossover. You know, did did uh, Dark Horse get to handle kind of the logistics behind one and Valiant the other, and that's the way they decided to do it. So you really only had two issues. If you only had two issues to tell the story, then I guess you do have to take some liberties with uh, our, your 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 license there to to just sort of suspend belief belief just to get Archon where he needs
1: to be. That is that is true when you put in, in the in the context of a, of limited. Of limited time and limited space, I guess that that, that that's a that's a completely valid point.
0: So. Yeah, and we don't we don't get stuff like this anymore in terms of uh, crossovers between companies for the most part. We we're getting them a lot more recently, which is uh, like the IDW and DC stuff with Batman and and the TMNT, um, which by the way will be an animated feature <laughs> that you can buy on DVD in the next couple of months. So <laughs> can't wait for that. But um uh, you know just it it even though it's becoming more of a thing those are like 6-8 issue crossovers and this was like just a random 2 issue crossover and it came out I believe in the 90s which is not the height of Nexus's powers.
1: So true. that is true.
0: In terms of his popularity. Right. So I mean it's uh, it, it's it's sort of this oddity on a number of levels but uh, you know, I, I enjoy it regardless. And of course, you know, you said there's some things that are telegraphed very easily in this first issue. Again, I never read the first issue, uh, but there's still a lot of that sort of thing uh, in in issue two. But I was a kid, so <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> I, I I wish I could. I wish I could like you know go find my like. Maybe I kept a journal or something or recorded myself talking about it on a tape cassette or something, you know, like just 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 go figure out why I liked it at that particular point in time. Because trying to think back and trying to decipher, you know, decades after the fact why I liked it is is, you know, maybe it was just as simple as I'd never read comics before. In the traditional, you know, single floppy issue, you know, I'd I'd had my books of Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield and things like that. But this is a completely different experience. And of the issues that I had, the Miss Marvel number one, Marvel Chillers number one, Union number zero, those things. This was such a departure because even though it was published in the same time frame relatively as these other issues, it is uh, – those those issues were doing the art and art styles of their times, whereas this was calling back to pulps even though I didn't know it at the time. It was something different in the group of only five I had.
1: Yeah, I get that. I mean that's true. I mean you, you, you can you – you don't know what you don't know pretty much. Yeah. And at that yeah. point, between what you didn't know and what you didn't care about, you knew what you liked and that's – so it makes – yeah I get it. I could see the I could see the appeal
0: for sure all right well we're gonna move on uh to the defenders. Uh, do we want to take a quick break and play a promo for something we we set up or do we want to do that later on?
1: we could do that if you want Chad. <laughs>
0: Well, just so it's not, a, not not at the very very end no, of the episode, it. it.
1: Based on what we have coming today, that this, <laughs> if, we're, if we're taking a break, this would be the time.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a break to play a very special promo. You are not going to want to fast forward through this one, and then we will come back with the Defenders number fifteen and number sixteen from the nineteen seventies. a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet, because while the light fights, The darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's J.L. May podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. J.L. May covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10 year anniversary Our coverage begins on April 30th with the Podcast of Oa and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Head of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, The Doctor DC Podcast. The Birds of Prey podcast. Justice's first dawn and ends with the Lantern cast. So join us this May. Because across the DC universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? All right. We're back from break. Uh, what'd you think of that promo? <laughs> it was long, wasn't it, Chad? <laughs> yes, it was. That's the first thing Mark told me when I gave, when I gave him a copy. you want to shorten all that? A bit? <laughs> oh, but yes. <laughs>
1: I, I I thought we were going to have a list of every of, of everybody that died at, at, anywhere at any time <laughs> and that, that was brought back. I thought that's what we were – it's like you, you can come back in a couple of hours. We'll be getting to the G's. <laughs> but it was, oh, it was nicely done. Yeah,
0: so all the information you needed is there, folks. We talked about it a bunch uh, off and on. The Lantern Cast is helping head up this year's JL May. And this year we are talking about blackest night as you can tell. Um, yeah, that was that was fun to put together. I, I I wanted like it, it, it to be like a more collaborative approach. Uh, on previous Jail May promos, we had done uh, parody songs, you know, and. And come up with lyrics and did some, some bad singing along and, and stuff like that. But time was just so short and we're coming so very close to the end of April already. We needed something. So I threw that together. And that was fun, too, because the, the, the thing it took me the longest to do was the voice of, of what the rings sound like when they're recruiting someone and what Rise sounds like. Because – If you go on YouTube, there's a bunch of videos of like people doing dramatic readings of the oath and you can hear them using various sound effects. And it's always like it's always like some hokey sort of, um, uh, you know, dead person sound, some grating deep dead like, you know, uh, because the the oath starts the, the blackest night falls from the skies. Right. So it's always like. The blackest night falls from this, like, you know, some sort of like crazy shit like that. And it it always felt off to me, like because maybe one of the maybe one of the, the black lanterns or 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 somebody like that would would sound like that just because of the anatomy or whatever. But like the ring, the ring bubble, when it says. You know, so and so of Earth rise, and you know, it it just it it didn't make sense until I did the whisper and sort of amplified and deepened the whisper and made it a little echoey and stuff like that. Because Jeff always said that the the rings when they went flesh, that it sounded like flies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So flesh and the flies and that sort of that sort of. sound and, and it just seemed like an, an echoey whisper sounded like it make, made more sense. So it took me like 45 minutes, an hour to come to the conclusion, let's try it like a whisper, uh, which is interesting because uh, when I posted the, the promo to Twitter, I actually got a response back today. I really like the way they did, the the way you guys did Rise. So I was like, OK, cool. Someone caught what I was doing uh, and at least it worked out. <laughs> but it was long because for those of you who don't know we can't cover every single epi- every single related issue of blackest night um so some of those there are meant to give you uh, some of those names that are listed there are meant to give you a preview of sort of what issues will be covered so if you recognize some of those names and where those particular individuals <laughs> reappear as black lanterns in either spin-off stories or something like that That's going to give you a clue as to what issues to look out for, other than your main Blackest Night zero through number eight.
1: Yeah, there's too much stuff to cover.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Too much, and unfortunately, you can't tell you can't force everybody to be a part of the crossover. But even if you could, not every not every character has their own podcast. Like uh, I'm pretty sure there's not a solely Wonder Woman devoted one and if there is it's not anywhere near this particular era of Wonder Woman's publication history so like and plus there's a billion Batman podcasts and not not even half of them are associated with the sort of uh podcast circles that we run in so Kevin Smith if you're listening you want to do an episode of Fat Man on Batman (laughs) no
1: crying aloud (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have, oh God. we have two simple rules you can't cry and you can't have a heart attack go <laughs> to the only rules we <laughs> demand while you're recording afterwards <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to be we don't wanna, we don't want to be draconian here <laughs>
0: but, oh, man. all right i've been talking too much but i just wanted to at least give that uh promo a play in real time rather than sticking it at the end of an episode so we're gonna talk about uh the defenders and uh before i let you go into it man the digital copy that that uh, i was able to find for these things man this must be off of like a recent republication trade or something like that because the colors especially on this first cover just with a design just just crisp crisp colors
1: so i assume you don't have the
0: ads then i do not no
1: oh that's too bad they got some they got cla- they got some classic 70s ads in here man they got the big gym stuff uh, let's see they, they have karate judo jujitsu, jitsu free today and of course they had my they they have my uh, soldier set the one I never got the cannonball set which is the Battle of chickamauga the blue and the gray that's the one I've never but the exploding forts I ne- actually no hold on I, th- I think the bridge explodes there's two forts that there's two forts but the bridges actually blow apart right off the river supposedly I don't know how that really worked blowing apart probably just means that you hit a button and it collapses. <laughs> but I yeah, you
0: want yeah, You, you want to speaking of memories. You want to tell us how you're uh, you're historically involved with the Defenders because we hear you often talk a lot about Spidey and uh, the Werewolf by Night, but I don't think I've heard you mention a ton of like Defender stuff.
1: That's probably true, actually. For I think probably from a group perspective. The Defenders might have been the first group I actually started reading. Uh, I did get into the Avengers, but the Avengers I didn't get into until it was the 130s. Actually, by luck of the draw, and that would be another cool thing to do at some point once I find the damn issues. But I think one of the first storylines, if not the first, of the Avengers that I read was when they did the origin of the vision. So mm-hmm. that two that two parter when we find out the relationship between Ultron and the Vision and I mean we already knew Ultron created the Vision from way back when in the Avengers but I mean how how that all came about uh, the background information with the related to the original Human Torch and Hort- and Professor Horton and all that stuff so but I think that this these issues I'm pretty sure predate that at least by a little bit but I read I did read the Defenders fairly regularly at least maybe I don't know it's kind of hard maybe at least a a year plus I have I have a lot of their issues and I believe these are I believe these are the first two issues of the Defenders that I ever that I ever got probably what drew me in was the Hulk because the Hulk along with Spider-Man were the two characters that I really probably followed religiously when I was a kid and I, I obviously had no way of knowing who Magneto was, or I as I would have pronounced it then, Magneto, like probably most of the world, because there were no – you didn't have uh, animated series to try to tell you, hey, it should be – we think, or we, think or, we, or we know it should be pronounced this way. Uh, But the cover was pretty intru- – the cover was a pretty action-packed cover. So that kind of drew me in. Both of the covers are pretty cool, actually, I think, but – But yeah,
0: they're they're both cool. But I I, the 15, I think, is the the winner just because of the 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 clash of the colors uh, and and how they're all arranged. There's enough space between like because uh, if you look at it, not necessarily Magneto, but just throwing it in there, Magneto, Nighthawk and Doctor Strange, if they were all too close to each other, you'd figure that's too many guys of the same color scheme right next to each other. Uh, we need to space it out a little more. So just the sort of action that's happening, the spacing of everybody, uh, and not just the spacing of everybody, but the, the way they chose to arrange them so that there's some green between this, – there's this flash of green and purple between um, uh, Nighthawk and whoever this dude is in the corner. I forget his name. Um, but yeah.
1: Which dude in the corner? I mean Eunice? Uh, whoever Hulk is fighting. Yeah, Eunice the untouched. Yeah not yeah, exactly yeah. this this to be fair this is uh, other than the blob this is not exactly the A-team for the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants it's kind of like who's available really really <laughs> I know I, I know a guy <laughs> that's but yeah and interesting no Valkyrie on the cover
0: yeah that's true that's true um she's uh she's yes. very pretty by yes. the way in this
1: yes it's a sexist cover clearly mm. uh she is. Like, she does make. She does make the grade of cover sixteen barely, though. Hmm. All right. So should we get into this one? The, the issue. I mean, it's rel- It's relatively straightforward.
0: It's straight. Relatively straightforward, but just like every issue, especially from Marvel in the seventies, goddamn, is it wordy.
1: Yeah. There's a. But based on the background of where we are and um, in the with this title, there's a little bit of it because this is shortly after I think Nighthawk joined. And certainly shortly after Nighthawk took on the costume that everybody thinks of when they think of Nighthawk, it's pretty much this one. But, this, but as we know in this – we find out in this issue, this is kind of like a redesigned costume for Nighthawk. So he, this is kind of like the first – this is really early on in him rocking the rocking the duds, if you will. So he – Doctor Strange is kind of giving him a tour of the of the uh, Sanctum Sanctorum there. So that's the, – that. Is, there's that's why there's a very, very verbose because, hey, it's Doctor Strange.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh, it's uh, – you know, the Cauldron of the Cosmos, and this, and the, here, here's my, even though he doesn't, I don't think he actually refers to it as the Eye of Agamotto right in, completely there. But he's, but this issue, which is either Panic Beneath the Earth, which is, of course, the in, inside title, or Panic at the Earth's Core, which is probably a better title
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, on the cover. And it's of Len Wein, Sal Buscema, uh, Busima, and Klaus Janssen, or the artists. Uh, Glennis. Ween and... Hey, Costanza! <laughs> and John Costanza. They were the colorist and the letterer, respectively, and Roy Thomas was the editor for, for this book. So Doctor, yeah, Doctor Strange is giving Nighthawk the the, the tour of his sanctum there. Uh, Valkyrie, who basically is getting ready to leave the team, that, that's how, how the issue begins. It's kind of like, I, I want to leave. Or basically she feels she has to leave because the... the the beautiful body, as you referenced, uh, that we all think of with Val- with Valkyrie. Basically, we get a, a little background on the fact that she basically was trapped in this body, uh, thanks to the to the enchantress's sorcery. So she feels compelled to basically to help, basically to help. You know, she owes a debt to the to the basically to the person whose body she ended up getting stuck with. Not that it's a bad choice, mind you, but still. <laughs> But she's worried about what to do with her horse and, of course, Nighthawk being like uh, Bruce Wayne Jr. over here, trying to throw his money around like, oh, I'll take care of that. I I, I can I can get that horse stabled for you. While Hawkeye – I mean Hawkeye, Night, 40 and slip. While Nighthawk is doing his best to impress Valkyrie, uh, Doctor Strange is having a conversation se- seemingly with nobody. <laughs> uh, which for Doctor Strange probably is like an old hat. Everybody does that 15 times a day. But for Nighthawk again, who's getting used to this whole sh- shmeel, uh, he he doesn't know what's going on. Then finally, Doctor Strange kind of uses his, the Eye of Agamotto there to kind of reveal that he's kind of having a telepathic conversation with uh, Professor X. And Professor Professor X is kind of kind of like warning him about what's going on. I think we're, I think we're gonna need help here. Uh, but of course, before they can put the they gotta get the band back together. So the so. The Hulk is sought out by Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange, of course, appeals to more the heart of the Hulk. Since obviously appealing to the brain of the Hulk would take quite a long time, <laughs> but he guides the Hulk back to join them. So you have, so you pretty much have those, but well, those four defenders, along with uh, Professor X, and they go, they go seeking out uh, on, on, on their mission which we're going to find out basically is to find Magneto in in a few seconds. This Cyclops comes out to attack. The Hulk leaps into action, doesn't really do particularly well. Uh, Valkyrie's Blade doesn't do much. Dragon Fang doesn't do anything against the Cyclops either. Neither does Nighthawk, and actually neither does the magic of Doctor Strange. And of course, Professor X is the first one to figure out that, hey, this is just an illusion. (laughs) It's not really there at at this moment they, they pretty much uh as they they're kind of realizing these the implications of the fact that what they were seeing wasn't real you know they they kind of get they kind of get blasted by a sizzling amount of energy and we find out that' this magnet <laughs> magneto and the uh who's ever available on, on speed dial for the brotherhood of evil mutants <laughs> So you have the Blob, which is cool, and you have Eunice the Untouchable. I never really heard of him. Lorelei, and who's the other Mastermind? What the hell was his name?
0: Yeah, Mastermind.
1: Mastermind. Uh, the male-
0: Malevolent Mastermind.
1: <laughs> lame, lame. <laughs> but they—they they all get Mag- Magneto creates this magnetic force field around them and trapping them. Supposedly so strong, even the Hulk couldn't get out. And Magneto more or less kind of. I like the way Dr. Strange does a really, really, really easy attempt. He does a really, really poor attempt, but it works very successfully, going, Oh, why don't you tell me about your master plan, since I, you owe us that. <laughs> why does he owe him anything? <laughs> but Magneto kind of fills them in on their plan, and it's basically after after they fought, you know, he fought the Avengers back in uh, Avengers 111. I like the judo chop with the vision to the back of the head, too. That was a nice touch. They couldn't really figure out what to do with Magneto because of his power set, so they kind of like they kind of you know, imprisoned him in this uh, bubble of raw energy. Which eventually, uh, even though he was trapped like at the center at the center of the earth, eventually he the magnetic field shifted and he was able to break out and use his magnetic powers to escape and tunnel out of the earth. And by luck of the draw, he finds all this all this fancy technology that's been there for. It's ancient technology, but it obviously didn't belong to this Earth. And it had a lot of books that apparently were in English. But, but I digress. <laughs> so with all this, Magneto started coming up with this ultimate plan uh, to basically cre- you know, cre- to create this mutant and, and all the ultimate mutant because, of course, his plan is to make the world safe for mutants. So we find out Lorelei was somebody he also created but not, not on the scale that he's looking for to create now with this mutant though not the one he's you know he's literally growing from scratch here professor x talks to the defenders and pretty much and tells them that hey uh concentrate you know, just really 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 concentrate on this like you've never done before and of course the hulk is like duh (laughs) which i do like the fact they acknowledge that that everybody concentrates a great deal except the hulk who's just kind of like okay but but professor x uses basically uses that energy uh the psychic energy, the telepathic energy to create a disruption in, in the magnetic field, essentially, and they break out. So, the Defenders are free! And, and, and then they kind of square off with the the B-team of Brotherhood of M- Evil Mutants here. The Hulk, this is not a good issue for the Hulk. The Hulk pretty much fails across the board. <laughs> in this. Uh, he goes against the Blob, but of course, as long as the Blob has his feet on the ground, you're not going to be moving him, so the Hulk doesn't do anything except take a shot to the head. Once again, Valkyrie, another bad, another bad issue. She, you know, she uses her sword against Eunice, who just, just kind of like bounces back. And then he leaps into action against her. Mastermind, uh, you know, creates this monster. The Doctor Strange has to fight, which is kind of weird because he kind of knows that it's, it's an illusion, but yet he has to keep fighting as hard as he can, and he acknowledges this. Lorelei has this siren kind of scream, so she's kind of like Banshee on that level, I guess. That that kind of uh, that kind of stopped Nighthawk and Professor X. The Hulk's still pounding away. Finally, he kind of figures out that hey, you know, if if, if I can like, smash the ground underneath the Blob and get him off his feet, then I can kick his ass. And he kind of and he kind of does starts doing that. Doctor Strange kind of splits into a million. Well, not as many Doctor Stranges as we saw in Infinity War, but <laughs> but it does remind you that. And he creates those and it, and it throws some. For some reason, that throws Mastermind completely off, because he doesn't know which Doctor Strange to focus on, so he gets zapped by Doctor Strange's uh, powers. You know, uh, Lore- Lorelai's powers are basically overcome because of the fact that... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Professor Professor X reaches the controls of Nighthawk's backpack, and he just basically <laughs> uses him like, almost like a... <laughs> as, a t- as a test dummy here, he has him shoot into Lorelei and that takes takes her out, and uh, Valkyrie, being the better fighter, she's able to use use the leverage against Eunice. And Eunice goes flying towards the Hulk, and the Hulk, of course, smashes Eunice, knocks him out cold, but Magneto, at this point, is like, hey, it doesn't really matter, because the process can't be reversed, and then, out out of the tube, you know, the tube opens up, and we don't see what's behind it, but it's like, behold the creature, who soon will make me master of the world! And next issue, Alpha, the Ultimate Mutant. So, 16 begins with Alpha, the Ultimate Mutant. <laughs> Slightly different creative team. Uh, let's see. We, uh, Sal Busima is the only artist on this. Mike Esposito is the inker. Uh, Glynnis Ween is also the colorist. Uh, C. Jetter is the letterer. And Roy Thomas is the editor. So, how would you even describe what Alpha looks like to start with?
0: <laughs> he, is, mm.
1: he is goofy looking,
0: a hairless uh, gorilla.
1: Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. There's a oh, oh, you know who he kind of looks like, except his eyes are more normal, like the Missing Link, hmm. Marvel's Missing Link. Uh, he's not quite as pink, but he's similar to that. So, no pun intended. He's hul- he's hulking in size. And Magneto's pointing out, you know, continuing the picking up where we left off, he's going to make me master of the world, and Doctor Strange, you know, never Magneto, not so, so long as a, as a defender draws breath. And uh, Doctor Strange tries to use his magic, but Alpha kind of automatically creates a barrier. You know, the, the Hulk, continuing his string of not particularly good luck, goes charging off at Alpha again. Uh, <coughs> the uh, force field repels the Hulk, and you know, magneto has the, the evil genius look on his face like Mu-ha-ha-ha-ha. and they trap he traps the defenders in the, in the cave that they're in and magneto and Compa- and magneto basically uses alpha to get them to get them to where their destination really is which we don't know yet meanwhile the trapped the trapped Avengers excuse me defenders uh, use you know use their power to basically start br- breaking a hole breaking a hole in the cave to try to get out uh, the Hulk Holds the tunnel open so everybody can escape. Then it collapses, and every, for a moment everybody thinks the Hulk is gone. And the Valkyrie's really, really heartbroken over this, which is kind, which is kind of sweet. The Hulk comes back, and the Hulk is really, really impressed by the fact that you know she's crying and she was so happy, so happy to see him. Doctor Strange, of course, is uh, <clears throat> he and he and uh, Professor X are focusing on what really needs to be done, the bigger picture issues here, and. Professor X is able to locate where Magneto and company went, and of course they went to New York to go to the United Nations to more or less, hey, we want you to, we want the world and we want it now. How 70s, right? <laughs> and at this point during the whole course of this issue, Alpha's uh, appearance is changing; that he he he's gone from looking like from like a Neanderthal like a Neanderthal face to just a human like intelligent phase to as this book plays out his head his head and his brain starts getting more gigantic and oversized uh, to basically to match the powers sets the telepathic powers that he starts developing you know magneto is pretty much telling alpha to, hey you know you know they're not listening to me so basically take take these guys out and give me what I want alpha you know alpha first he hesitates but then he starts raising you know the United Nations building Uh <clears throat> The defend, you know, the defenders show up. They find the the UN building is gone. He Magneto or, orders Alpha to destroy them. Of course, he asks why, but of course you don't you don't ask Magneto questions. Mag, but Alpha still is at a sense of loyalty and or probably not fully under his intelligence and his understanding of the scenario that he's in the middle of hasn't really hit him yet. You know, he creates you know he creates these rock like creatures. That attack the, the attack the defenders. Uh, the Hulk does have a little bit of luck smashing these guys, along with Valkyrie, and they pretty much all destroy these <coughs> relatively easily. They they arrive, you know, they push past the the, the the doors for the building. I mean, for the for the room in that in the building at the with, they're still at the UN, right? This is still a UN building. Yeah, yeah. That uh, just hadn't seen it in a few pages. So now, now Magneto is really going off the deep end. He's telling Alpha to obliterate them once and for all. And you know, Ma- Magneto, you know, Alpha is still, he's doing Magneto's build, bidding, but he's starting to have more and more doubts. So basically he turns he turns the Hulk to stone, and Nighthawk goes flying flying after him. He, he creates this uh, this dizzying effect uh, to just a uh, take Nighthawk out, now, uh, Professor X notices, besides the facial features that have changed on Alpha, that his, that his head's growing bigger, his cranium is growing bigger, and while Alpha continues to use his powers, now Alpha kind of gets torn as Professor X starts playing accurate, but still head games with him, saying, hey, Magneto's the evil one, you know, we're trying to stop him, I mean, uh, is that, uh, He's basically making you do evil things, you don't want to do evil things, yada yada, and as Alpha's head really, really grows, now he basically decides he he needs to fi- he needs to be like a judge, jury, and not executioner, but arbiter here to figure out who exactly is telling the truth, so he basically, I, I like that splash page though, that splash page is really cool, it kind of looks like the Watcher a little bit. Yeah. As you have this giant, like this giant, you see symbolically anyway. You see this giant version of Alpha holding the scales of justice, and of course the Defenders and Professor X are in the left side, and Magneto's Brotherhood is on the right side. Uh, Alpha is able to figure out using his mental powers, of course, and probing that Magneto is is in the wrong. And Magneto, pretty much, <laughs> I do like the solution. I actually am trying to remember how they how they. Fix this problem, but basically what what Alpha does is Alpha, Alpha turns all all of the Brotherhood, including Magneto himself, back to little kids. So basically, so these lost souls, as he phrases it, will all have a second chance at life. While he basically flies off into space to seek his destiny elsewhere, and uh, that pretty much, and of course, he puts the UN back where it belongs. Before that, but that pretty much wraps up Defender 16.
0: Yeah um I mean it was it was definitely enjoyable but I did find myself getting lost in the in the narration and and the the hefty use of of scripting and stuff in this like it's one of those it's one of those things where if you're not you're not know, like you're reading a book and you're interested in the subject matter but maybe the writing style is a bit off to you you'll be at the top of one page and then suddenly a few seconds later you'll find yourself like in the the middle of the second page and you're it's like you're, you're yeah <laughs> what what happened my eyes my eyes automatically skipped over a whole bunch of shit hold on let me backtrace and force myself to pay attention to what is happening and when I say force myself to pay attention it makes it sound like it's a sh- it's a shit read or something but there's it's it's not that it's just there's something about it that doesn't interest me so uh, on a subconscious level so my mind is just like all right let's let's kind of get the gist and move on um, but you know I, that that was more of a gut reaction that i need to just sort of backtrace and make sure i'm giving it its its due diligence um I figured out what it was for the most part. I just – I don't care about a lot of the characters in here. Um, when it comes to interest, mildly interested in, in what Doctor Strange is doing, heavily invested in Valkyrie, not just because she's pretty. But you know, you guys know I, I love the Asgardians and I love Thor and, and that whole mythos and anything even remotely connected about it, it's going to suck me in. Never really cared about the Hulk, um, have no connection whatsoever to this Nighthawk individual, didn't even know anything about, like, you know, I always have at least some sort of, some sort of cursory knowledge of either the secret identity or the, the, uh, the civilian identity or something. And I, this, this guy was completely out of left field for me. I don't know anything about him, um, You'd think I'd be interested in Magneto, but I'm not because at this particular stage in Magneto's publishing history, he's more straight up villain than any sort of, you know, discerning fighting for mutant rights, sort of the the guy he would later become Um, in here. Like, you know, you can see him, especially in issue 16 with his arms around Alpha, just sort of like screaming like a petulant child, like, no, I told you to get them, you know, like that sort of a thing. And it just made him seem more out-and-out, unhinged villain with nothing necessarily unique to him the same way that you or I would associate with the Magneto of publication history now. Um, and and you yourself admitted the uh, – the, they're not exactly bringing up the A-Team with the Brotherhood of Yule Mutants. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. This is – which inter- – the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and and the Sisterhood of Evil Mutants—they've had a lot of lame. The, the old order changes, thank God, because a lot of those old orders sucketh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was just thinking of even even the one when they had with Rom when Rom took on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which it wasn't exactly the best. I'm, they had Ennecy, they had Avalanche. They did have Mystique, but of course I think Mystique's lame to begin with. They had Rogue. The Rogue was the only good thing about mm-hmm. it. And they had, uh, oh God, what was her name? The Psychic. Oh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But it was not. It was not exactly. That was not exactly. They had Pyro. I think they had Pyro in that group too. But it wasn't exactly. I, it, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is not going to go. It's not going to rank up there high in the greatest teams in Marvel in Marvel comic book history, no matter who's really in there. But this is not the best group they could have had,
0: <laughs> right? And that's and that's, like I said, the the, the it re, I'll, I'll say I I'll say this: the 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 recoloring and reprinting of this, uh, especially uh, uh, on a backlit screen like a tablet. Really helped make this super interesting and pop to me visually, because uh, you know when you're not reading a faded uh, older comic, these a lot of these colors with Doctor Strange's sort of powers, especially that first splash page where you see him using the cauldron of the cosmos. Yep, that looks really cool uh, in in a recolored backlit uh, a digital copy. Um, so it's very crisp, and very clean. And when you – it's interesting because you're, you're reading these credits of the original story, and it's completely, it completely makes sense to me why you would do this. But wouldn't you think that if you're going to do a completely uh, recolored, revitalized edition that you may throw a note somewhere in the, the, the new copy of who the original colorist was as, and, and then who the, the kind of enhanced colorist is?
1: Probably, you think that yeah. would be proper.
0: Yeah, uh, but you know, whatever. That's that's neither here nor there. Um, so that that the 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 colors and the crispness of such uh, uh, of the art on such an older, and I don't, I don't want to say like old, super old comic.
1: It's still just the '70s, but you it, it's know, pretty old these. In in the big picture, it is pretty old these days.
0: True, um, but you know, I, it it really helps to kind of pull me along. Um, I kind of wish Alpha would have made an appearance sooner because he was probably the most interesting thing to me. I found myself at the end of 16 going, okay, did Alpha ever show up again? Because when he kind of says, you know, I've I've learned who you are and you know, I've kind of evolved beyond you. I'm going to go off to the stars to find kind of who I am. You know what that reminds me of is um, do you remember um, – it wasn't Amazo. What was his name? Justice League, the animated series, the robot that was created that uh, just suddenly evolved and uh, and then came back later, and they thought he destroyed the Green Lantern Corps, and he's like, no, I just moved them out of the way. You remember?
1: I kind of remember.
0: Yeah. Oh, what the
1: hell was his name?
0: Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a Justice League story arc where – uh, the, the robot is created, and it's it, you know what? it might be a mezo, because when he first when he when he first learns and, and adapts he's created with the purpose of learning the, uh, learning the abilities of of the league and fighting with the, you know like he'll scan Green Lantern and mimic his power he scans Hawkgirl Girl and grows wings and a mace like I, th- I think it might be a mezo they did something interesting with Amazo in, in the Justice League animated series to where he kind of evolved beyond what his original intent was and became this sort of cosmic being. And became, then he became self-aware, and he went into exile with Aquaman and Hawkgirl under the tutelage of, of Dr. Fate sort of, of thing. And that's what, that's what Alpha's sort of journey here reminds me of. And it, uh, it kind of also reminds me a bit of, um, of uh, Warlock, Okay. In a way, just the sort of uh, you know uh, cosmic awareness sort of thing. I need to go kind of find myself among the stars, uh, just kind of in, in a little bit of a way. And we didn't really even get that side of him until you know the last third of this of this of the second issue. So between Valkyrie, my mild interest in Doctor Strange, and the evolution of Alpha, there's not a whole lot to keep me invested. Um, other than other than the art and the fact that I'm reading a story I'd never read before, because I I don't think I've ever read any Defenders.
1: I mean, they were not. I mean, they were not the most mainstream. They were kind of. You know, that kind of was the, their claim to fame because they were like a non-team. You know, the Defenders were like the non-team. Uh, so, and the, I mean, the Defenders had a lot of interesting members over the years. I mean, obviously, they even on the cover they still show Namor. Mm-hmm. On the cover. And and I think and Power Man I think shows up next issue I'm trying I'm trying I think he stayed with the team I I could be wrong at this point uh, I'm trying to think who else because somebody just left oh the, the Silver Surfer might have been too at one point because uh, I'm trying to think of the I had somewhere I had that annual where the Defenders and the Avengers fought each other and I think the Silver Surfer's on the on the cover but the Hulk I mean the Hulk. Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, Nighthawk. Hawk, those—that—that's a key part of the team. And of course, some of that just ends. Like I think next, I think next issue, the Luke Cage issue. I think Val, I think Valkyrie actually takes off, and I think, and I think, uh, I think the Hulk ends up taking off temporarily, and that one too. So was a lot of technically
0: an unsung member of this issue is is X, Professor X.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who who you would never even known was certainly. Which, which is kind of an interesting choice, even though that, Well, it's not really. Let I me mean, amend my statement already. Based on the time frame that they're doing this, it's not a surprise that they don't. They're not advertising that Professor X is in this book because, at this time, the X Men aren't anything to write home about <laughs> from a popularity yeah. perspective. This is 1974. This is before basically the. Uh, this is this is before. This is before any the the new X Men. The Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm group that basically helped bring the X-Men back to pop, you know, into prominence, and then leading to the Dark Phoenix saga and all this, and Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga and all that stuff. This predates that by a lot, lot of time. So the X-Men were not big at this time. So it makes yeah. sense that you wouldn't even know by looking at the looking at the cover that Professor X is going to even be in this issue.
0: Yeah. Um, what, I mean, other, other than this, uh, being one of the first, uh, if not the first story arc that you read, uh, from, from defenders, what about, what about that? Uh, the story made you choose it over maybe something else? I mean, cause it's very clear why I chose mine. It's, I mean, it's not only one of my first, it's one of my most reread story arcs of all time. So what, what, what made
1: you choose to throw this hat in the ring for this episode? I think because of I think because it introduced me to to the defenders. I think it because it introduced me to all the characters there in. I mean, Doctor Strange I wasn't as familiar with Valkyrie, Nighthawk. Uh, I was not familiar with Magne, really with Magneto at all. Uh, so I think this was in a way this is almost like a gateway to another side of the Marvel universe there because I was not. Reading a lot of a lot of the the focus in this book and the characters in that part of the Marvel universe just kind of I wasn't really aware of or had much of an interest in so I think so I think that 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 stands out and I I, I, I think it's the imagery too for whatever reason I remember the imagery I mean when I went back and I reread this because I reread these uh, before I reread it last night I reread it over the weekend uh, when I first for thinking this was going to be my, my, my selection that I went back and, and so much so much of it I don't remember didn't remember everything that happened in both of these issues but there were a lot of images that I remember, and I, remember I remember the you know the, them being the, them being captured I remember you know the, the, that splash page of the wrong, of them all of them all breaking free I you know I remember you know, the, the changes in alpha you know, as, throughout the book and the scales of justice not just because it's on the cover of issue 16, but I just, I just remember that, so it's, and it's, and to be fair, this has to be, relatively early on, in my comic, reading experience, because these are, these books are, from 1974, so yeah. I, you know, so, sadly, dating myself again, I, that would have, that would have made me, five, when these books came out, or not even five, well, yeah, what, what month was, were these out in? Uh, September, yeah. So I would have already been. So, yeah. So I think that, I think that's I think that's what it is. I think it's uh, that time frame. There's a, a lot of, there's a lot of books back when they have in titles and characters that resonate. But I think probably because it is a, a little beaten off the beaten path, I think maybe that draws hmm. me in a little bit towards towards the, the defenders. Makes sense.
0: All right. Anything else you want to say about either uh, these two issues or the ones from before?
1: They certainly were. Um, they had obviously they had less in common than other than the cute little Magnus, Magneto common, <laughs> commonality there, which was not the original plan, by the way, because Chad knew what he was picking all along. It was just it was just luck of the draw that when I when I dug out stuff that if, in my on my option list I was like, hey, if we can do these, <laughs> we have some commonality <laughs> for a theme. Uh, but they are but they certainly are diverse. I think, in concepts and in characters, certainly even versus... Even the Marvel stuff, which is... There's, there's a lot of quote-unquote mainstream characters in here, but but it's not like the Defenders were the ultimate mainstream book. Right. You know, so so you, you never think... I mean, you, you can't say you never think of the Defenders if you think of Marvel superhero team, but you're certainly going to think of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and certainly now the X-Men and more than... The defenders. Who knows? Maybe even friggin' the, some people may even think of the damn Thunderbol- thunderbolts even more than sure. <laughs> at this stage. So I, 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 so there's a certain affinity I had towards you know, I think the the kind of obscurity of the defenders from my perspective, for mine and for yours. Yeah, I mean those are characters that I'd never read. Of, I mean I had heard of but I'd never read about. So, and certainly Nexus to me is the winner of those two characters. It makes me intrigued to m- learn more about him. Maybe maybe the whole name of Magnus Robot Fighter. He's like okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's actually uh you it's it you can probably find it any anywhere it's still in print. Um, there's uh if you look up Nexus the Origin or Nexus Origins something like that. It's a single issue trade. It's it's a single trade paperback. Uh, I definitely recommend pe- picking it up. I'm checking it checking the backs of my. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, so it's Nexus the origin. That's what you're looking for. Uh, a lot of people also like Nexus alien justice, which is a three issue series, um, or Nexus wages of sin. Uh, the big one is Nexus executioner song, which is, uh, which is, uh, one of a four issue series, but the big one is Nexus the origin. So if you can, if you can find the Nexus, the origin trade paperback out there for relatively cheap, I would recommend trying that, uh, or theoretically if you can find volume 1 of the nexus dark horse Omnibuy for cover price or less it should you should only be spending 25 bucks on it that's going to give you quite a shit ton of the the beginnings of the original nexus series that made it super popular so if you're if you if you can find it it's worth it's worth investing cuz you'll have shoot nexus nexus volume 1 is it says it's 400 it doesn't say what issues it has it's 400 story pages from the award-winning series, is what it says. So, you'll have 400 pages of the original, of the original Nexus run. Yeah. So this uh, this volume collects material previously published in the Capital Comics series Nexus one through three, and in the first comic series Nexus one through eleven. So, yeah, lots of early Nexus and Volume one if you can find it. But yeah. Um
1: Cool stuff, man.
0: All right, uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. We're gonna're we're definitely gonna I, I, I would love to keep doing the famous firsts. I guess that's what we're just gonna call it now. Uh, I, I, I would I would love to keep doing the famous firsts. The problem becomes, you know, I, anytime we, we kind of cover our comic history, I always say I had five issues of a comic. We've covered two of them so far, so I've got three left. So, but I would love to keep doing them even after three. So maybe famous firsts will become, uh, famous favorites.
1: I was just thinking oh, that, I
0: was yeah. just thinking that, you know, like, cause I, you know, you, you, you know, I love my, uh, <laughs> especially recently, you, you know, I love my, uh, cosmic Spider-Man. So maybe we'll, you know, one day we could cover, uh, some cosmic Spider-Man okay. stuff as part of famous favorites, uh, but uh, I'd, I'd I'd like to I think it would be cool to sort of first exhaust the famous firsts idea and then turn it into famous favorites. Yeah. I, don't know.
1: I agree. I think that's I think when in when in doubt, it's kind of it was kind of funny. Well, not so funny because it was annoying when I was when I was digging out stuff last weekend. A lot of issues that I know that I've seen recently because I I literally remember seeing them in, in my hand. And one I mentioned to you because I mentioned the the Marvel Spotlight. Which was the first appearance of Captain Universe. Speaking of your cosmic Spider-Man, the first appearance of Captain Universe outside of the Micronauts. And if I had found that issue, which I know I have, that that was one of the ones I might have done this time around because because of I thought you would have appreciated it. I might have I might have done a double whammy where I might have taken I think Micronauts eight, which I think was the first appearance of Captain Universe, and then and then that Marvel Spotlight and done those done those as my two issues. But alas, I couldn't find Marvel Spotlight, and what annoyed me even more is that I almost... My choices were almost Amazing Spider-Man 134 and 135, which is the tarantula and the second appearance of the Punisher. But I know I have 134 somewhere. It's in horrible condition. I think it's another cover that's no longer attached. But I know I have it, but I couldn't find it. But I do have... One, I did have 135. <laughs> but I could have... But I also, which I could, which I probably... I'm just going to have to take some time and dig through my stuff. And when I dig, when I find stuff like I did last week, I pull, I, I'm just going to pull that out and leave it. I could also have done Amazing Spider-Man 136 and 137, which was the Green Goblin, the first Harry Osborn Green Goblin, because I know mm-hmm. where they are. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going back to, uh, hell, we could do, we could, we could do, <laughs> we could do an Incredible Hulk 181, because
0: <laughs> I have that, <laughs> Oh yeah, and uh, since I since I have the first appearance of Gambit, we could do that too.
1: Yeah, so there's so there's lots of stuff. I just I'm just gonna have to make I have so many tubs of comics downstairs. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. have to make a concerted effort to and stretch my back out because sometimes as much as I have restacked these were sliding across instead of lifting and taking down. But when you have like a you know like a sixty gallon plastic tub of comic books, it gets mighty heavy. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I uh, we we're, were talking about Captain Universe slash Cosmic Spider Man because uh, I was actually this past weekend, guys. I was I, I'm, I'm my my obsession with pops is just getting bigger and bigger. Um, I you know, there's a I'm a part of a couple of Facebook groups. Uh, one one in particular locally here in Austin with other collectors. And someone had posted, you know, like some people normally do, that they have, you know, here's a photo. I'm selling these pops. Anybody want them? You know, message me for pricing. And this dude had a uh, Justice League Unlimited Martian Manhunter, which was a Marvel, which was a Walmart exclusive pop. And uh, I guess he was supposed to be the start of a Justice League Unlimited line, but they never did it. Um, but I've I've always liked the design of this pop. It's not worth much. It's worth about it's it's worth the same amount it was originally sold for, basically. Um, but I always liked the design of it, so I wanted the pop. So I met up with him over at uh, in front of Walmart to pick it up. Gave him like ten bucks for it, and uh, you know I was like, you know, I'm gonna go over to GameStop, and you'll be. I don't know if you'll be proud or disappointed mark i uh i've been seeing anytime i go to gamestop i've been seeing one pop in particular that i'm always tempted to buy but decide not to and i was like you know what this i've never been to this particular gamestop it's one of those tiny tiny strip mall sort of gamestops where it's just a a tiny little store if i see it here i'll pick it up and if i see it here in great condition I'll pick it up because clearly the universe wants me to get this damn pop. <laughs> so I picked up the Marvel Studios 10 Year Gold Chrome Shuri, which is the 2018 Fall Convention exclusive.
1: Yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some of the gold. I've been tempted to get some of the gold ones, but it's just kind of.
0: Yeah. I feel like Shuri. I, I. 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 First of all, I like Shuri. I also feel like Shuri is going to play a big role, uh, bigger than I think. But we'll see. It doesn't really matter. Um I, I just in I, what, I finally in, in caved. What, Endgame? I been,
1: or do you mean yeah. more of a universe? In Endgame. Endgame? Yeah, you, but, keep hold, you keep holding out that hope, my friend. We'll
0: see. But regardless, <laughs> uh so I, I that day, you know, I'd already had these two. One's a Walmart exclusive, one's a uh fall convention exclusive, just by no just by accident. I was like, you know what? There's a shit ton of Walgreens in the area. And I'm like, there's a there's a superior Spider Man Pop vinyl that is a Walgreens exclusive that I wanted to get. So I, I mapped out like four, <laughs> four of these Walgreens, and I, I I kind of zigzagged my way back home, hitting all of them. Lo and behold, none of them, none of them had it. I get to the last one. I'm looking at them. Walgreens also sells. I mean, Walgreens has a t- like a small toy aisle, but their selection is pretty freaking awesome. They have marvel legends figures um for sale so marvel legends has been getting better and better and better guys in such that they published or they, they put out a spider punk marvel legends figure that i was super hyped for and I, I i snapped that up the mid the day it came out but one thing that they had also put out was a cosmic suit spidey which is you know uh, what if what if uh um that was the original story though, right? What if uh, Spidey had kept his cosmic powers or it had happened before he got the powers, he gave them up and then the what if is if he could, if he had kept them.
1: I think that's right.
0: Yeah, so Captain Universe, the powers of Captain Universe came down onto Spider-Man. It was a cool, cool little story. It's a cool little arc. I've always loved that design of that character. Marvel Legends made a captain universe spider-man figure and for the freaking life of me i could never find that figure and i'm talking even at the comic book store where they get the figures in regularly multiple copies of each wave could could never find it so i'm squatting down and i'm looking down through the shelf uh, this very last walgreens for for this superior spider-man pop i don't see it i sigh I know it's the last Walgreens. I kind of bow my head and I roll it to the left and I just sort of glance up a little bit, sort of like exasperated, shaking my head at the cosmos. Like, you guys, you know, God, you couldn't give me one. I look up and on the shelf I see the side panel of this box and it's the Captain Universe Spider-Man design. I'm like, hold up. Are we for real right now? They have a like three rows of like 7 7 figures per row of of Marvel Legends figures. I stand up and I look at them and there's only one with a Spider-Man symbol on it. And I'll be damned if it's not if it's not the Cosmic Universe Spidey I've been searching for relentlessly since it came out. The box is banged to hell, I don't care. I have the damn figure now and it's proudly on my wall next to my Spider-Punk. Because I really enjoy the designs of both of those characters, and now I got them in Figure Form. I cannot like. Remember, Mark, when I was uh, when I messaged you about the Spider Punk one when that design came out. I, I don't think I don't think we had spoken about the the Cosmic Suit Spider Man at the time that was announced. But I was equally, if not more, excited for that design when it was announced. And I don't know why I never found it, but I could not find it anywhere. It's such an obscure character. I don't know why it was so hard for me to find him.
1: Must have a following.
0: That's right. Oh well, but uh, yeah, I figured throwing some toy talk. I've been talking about pops a lot lately, but there you go. Um, anything else we should talk about before we go?
1: Uh, well, obviously, by the time by the time, well, take. Tech- you're going to see it Friday morning, so I guess by the time this episode is released to the masses, we both will, barring any, an act of God, we both would have seen Endgame.
0: It's true. Um, <laughs> I will be seeing Avengers Endgame on Friday, April 26th at 8 a.m. <laughs> uh, I will be waking up on my day off <laughs> to sit in in commuter traffic. <laughs> To go see Endgame, so it's almost like I'm not off at all in terms of my commute. (laughs) Well,
1: well, hopefully it won't be a big line since it's an eight o'clock showing.
0: Well, it's also it's also not it's it's also assigned seating, so
1: yeah, I know, but still,
0: yeah. But I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, See, my problem is, you know, and, and this is without trying to be gross or anything. This is just normal bodily human conditions folks you wake up in the morning you go to the bathroom you, you shower you uh, get dressed you go to work and then your body's been awake long enough maybe you've been drinking more water or eating a, a light breakfast or something and you got to go to the bathroom again you know only about an hour after you'd gone before after you initially woke up like i'm worried about that happening <laughs> during in game Because if it's a three-hour movie, I'm going to be like, am I going to have to wake up like super early just to allow my body to go through its normal processes so I don't have to be sitting there 45 minutes fresh into endgame and already just desperately when needing to leave to go to the bathroom? (laughs) Do I have to plan for my body's natural rhythm to kind of run its course before i even sit down in that theater seat do i have to wake up like a full two hours ahead of schedule
1: <laughs> adult diaper chat <laughs> adult, adult diapers uh, well that, yeah. that, that does not the diaper part but that does remind me yeah it's gonna be a long day tomorrow i better take an emodium just to play it safe Yes, <laughs> because I am definitely not leaving that theater to, go, to have to go to that bathroom. If I, I got to pee. It's almost inevitable. It's a three three hour movie. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be in that theater for like at least an, more than an hour before the movie starts. So by the time I get my my food and the combo that comes with the 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 fan event tickets, yeah, um, it's it's it the peeing isn't is probably gonna be inevitable. So
0: there's actually guys uh, it's it's a very mild spoiler article, but it's one of those it's one of those clickbait articles that might actually be worth something, because I don't know if it was comicbook.com. Somebody did an article. When are the best times during Endgame to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and I actually pulled that up and it tells you kind of at what scenes you'd be OK to go without missing anything super critical. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> so I'm not, I, I'm not going to say anything, but like. It's it's very mild spoilers, like you know, for uh, let's.
1: Well, basically, yeah. I, the first hour I think so, not the, obviously the very beginning of the movie, but the first hour is supposed to be slow, slow. The slower parts of it are supposed to be in the first hour, I believe.
0: Right, but there's so, there's 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 two moments after the first, like right after the first hour that you supposedly can do this, and and then there's one like right before the final big hour. So if you, can, if you haven't already seen In-Game, go try and look up that article because I read it today. Um, I, I tell you guys what it says, but I don't know how sensitive you guys might be to spoilers at this point. To me, they were very mild spoilers, but you never know. Uh, if you're curious, go look it up. Based on their description of those moments, it seems like they'd be something you might be okay with missing – on it because this is going to be a movie people maybe see more than probably see more than once in the theater so if if you can live with not seeing it that you know every every single second of it the first the first time you view it then it'd probably be worth it to read the article
1: <laughs> just for your own bodily sanity <laughs> uh, i mean move. It, it is what it is i mean you obviously you you don't you, you do what you can to try to help help yourself along. So if if you know if you know generally speaking or at certain times that you're going to be really prone to like sh- how sugar runs through you, <laughs> then you're probably not going to want to get the jumbo sized Coke and, say, and, start nursing, and start nursing it 30 minutes before the movie begins because or more because you know by the time it by the time everything. The body chemistry does its thing. It's like, hey, you may have to pee, and it could be one of those deals where you have so much sugar in you, maybe another forty-five minutes later, you gotta go again. It's like this is not the movie. Ideally, you want to do that in. <laughs> so, but th- but you have no, you know you have no you don't have a lot of control over it. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So, and even without the or- that article, excuse me, would be beneficial, but probably you're gonna be able to. You might be to judge the scene... It's hard to... With. The benefit of that article is letting you know what's coming down the road. So you might know that this is a better scene to go in. Or if you go now, you're not going to miss much. You can be in the moment and have an idea you're not going to miss anything in this scene of consequence, but it doesn't mean the very next scene that begins before you get back with something relevant. <laughs> what they miss? Oh, man, I, you miss so much I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so tomorrow... I'll be seeing it tomorrow... At five's the fan event. I have no idea what time they're letting in. I just happen and I just know the theater and our, of our fan event. I think Hellboy actually's in that theater before ours our showing, and that gets out of two thirty. So the question is, what time? If there's anybody is. even in it. Yeah, I they're, they're probably you're right. There may not be anybody in it, but I but I also know uh, my friend who's the manager. He also doesn't know what time he's letting in. So he's it's not like. It's not like it's guaranteed that, oh, that movie's out at 2.30, we'll be letting, you know, at 3 o'clock. You know, if you're there, you're going to get in. That's not necessarily guaranteed that they're going to let people in that early. So my plan is not my re- my plan is actually to be there by 3, though, because I figured if not, then let me, in case anybody else is there online for the fan event, at least I'll get online. Then if not, then I'll start the line. But I figure, especially with that theater being emptied out so early, I think the absolute latest they would let us in would be 4. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah
0: alright well you want to tell people how they can find us
1: lanterncast.com people lanterncast at gmail.com give us some feedback we are on iTunes and Stitcher whichever platform you listen to us on please leave us a positive review Facebook, Twitter hashtag geocast to locate us there and last but not least the voicemail is 708lantern 708 708lantern 708 and let us know what you think like Jesse who we will get to next week
0: that is correct, um, and uh, next episode we'll obviously be talking in-game, um, but heads up, between now and then, on April 30th, that is when the official start of the JL May event begins, as the podcast of Oa kicks us all off with their recap and review of Blackest Night number zero, as well as Green Lantern number 43.
1: Yes, the ever important 43.
0: That's right. All right, guys. We're in the end game now. <laughs> Talk to you later. Soon
1: to be, yes. Good night, everybody. Good night.